Thanks for listening to the ODI podcast, covering inspiring stories of data use and impacts around the world. Today's guest is Malik Taposa, Deputy Manager of the Burkina Faso Open Data Initiative at the National Agency for ICT Promotion of the Ministry of the Digital Economy. Welcome, Malik. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Malik has significant experience in transparency movements and e-governance, having been involved in setting up the e-cabinet of government ministers in Burkina Faso, one of the first of its kind in Africa, which allows government to convene the Council of Ministers across the government intranet. More recently, Malik has been involved in enabling Burkina's freest and fairest elections in almost 30 years. The Burkina Faso Open Data Initiative partnered with the Independent National Electoral Commission to use their experience opening up data from across the government in designing the data publication platform and multi-step verification process. The team worked through the night to upload results data as soon as it was received from regional count stations and verified. Within hours of the polls closing, results for the first 21 districts were published to a mobile responsive web application hosted by the Election Commission and delivered by the Burkina Faso Open Data Initiative, which gave citizens an early evolving indicator of who their next president could be. The results were also uploaded to an openly licensed database using a simple Google Doc. The purpose of this was to reduce the period of uncertainty between the time the polls close and the results are known, a period when trust in electoral systems is most fragile, especially in states in transition towards democracy. The European Commission called the transition in Burkina Faso remarkable, and the peaceful elections a victory for Burkina Faso, but also good news for the region and the continent. Malik joins me here in ODI HQ today in London as part of the Open Data Leaders Network, which is a program for open data leaders around the world to get together, to share knowledge and ideas, discuss common challenges, best practices, and ultimately learn from one another. Malik, how are you today? Uh, I'm very fine. Very fine, you. good. You've been involved in e-governance and transparency movements for a while now, but your background's in web development and systems engineering. Tell us a bit more about how you got into that and uh, what your first job was. My background is web developer, and I'm um, especially e-services, but I've been hired by the Ministry of Digital Economy as web developer to help them to manage the government website. Because eight or ten years ago, it, the system, the updating system was very difficult to use, and my duty was to develop an easy using back-end interface so that webmaster could efficiently update the website. So I worked on that about two years and after I've been assigned to the Department of Paperless to work on big projects of the government. You helped set up the e-Council of Government Ministers in Burkina Faso as part of the e-Cabinet project. What was it like to pioneer such a new system? Did you meet much resistance amongst your peers in the government or the ministers themselves? E-cabinet was our first challenge because Burkina was the first country in Africa to this, do this kind of system. But this project was for, for, for us a strategical project because in addition to the paperless solution, we wanted to sensitize the members of government on what ICT can bring to them in their daily work. I can tell you that thanks to e-cabinet, 
the government accept to invest more in ICT today and they accepted to create a national agency for the implementation of e-government. So of course we met a lot of resistance coming from uh, even the member of government. And I remember one minister said that with e-cabinet, the e-council, the council of ministers will not be serious again because people will be chatting on the uh, uh, on internet or something like that. I remember also someone from the Ministry of Finance, he told me that a few years before my retirement, so can you wait after my retirement and bring your e-cabinet system? <laughs> so <laughs> all this is to show you, tell you that it was not easy uh, to to do this kind of uh, project, but we made it and today everything is going well. Uh, and when did you first encounter the open data movement and what got you excited about it initially? Yes, I first hear about open data in 2014 when I discovered open data is talking about transparency, accountability, citizen participation. I said, yes, that's what we need in, for our country because at this time, everything was kept secret and only few persons had the right to have access to the information. But I remember that a few months after we launched the first open data portal, the revolution happened in Burkina. So I can say that the revolution happened Things to the open data portal, but people were asking about more transparency, more democracy for our country. So I think it was the time for open data to come in Burkina Faso. And tell us a bit about the Our Schools Our Data program. Were you much involved in that? Yes, the project is called Nendo. Nendo in French means and in English, our school, our data. Okay. So this project was like a pilot project because to convince people that it's useful to release the data, we needed to have some quick wins that we can use to show them that if you release the, your data, you can have this kind of tools. And we started with thinking about a project and we found out that it will be very interesting to have a project in education because education is a priority for our country. And we think that if we, we have a, 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 like a dashboard of all the schools in our country and have some metadata on this school, this can be very useful for citizens, for the government, for NGOs. So we start discussing about this project with Ministry of Education and they were very happy about the project and gave us all the information we need and worked with a civil society, private sector, and everybody was very excited to, to, to work on and can say that thanks to the work of Liz and ODI. So and, that's, that's uh, Liz Carolan. Yeah, Liz Carolan. Yeah. Uh, 
Nendo is very famous in the world. And everywhere we, we go, people uh, know about our school, our data. And I remember that during the last open data conference in Ottawa, the vice president of World Bank for Africa used Nendo as a good example that all the open data initiatives should do in their country. So it, it is a very important project for us. And now we are working on the extension of Nendo to have to cover more cities in our country. You're listening to the ODI podcast, covering inspiring stories of data use and impacts around the world. If you're passionate about data and its potential, why not join our global network as an ODI member? If you want to learn more about data in all its forms and how to make the best of it, we hold diverse, interactive training courses and events. Why not find out more at theodi.org or tweet us at ODIHQ. We're here with Malik Taposa of the Burkina Faso Open Data Initiative. Malik, the role of open data in Burkina's recent elections has attracted international news coverage. We hear a lot about the value of open data, but what most people cry out for are concrete examples of open data being published and used to have clear beneficial impacts. Open elections is an area with huge potential in countries around the world. I'd like to talk about some lessons that other countries looking to carry out similar projects can learn from. Burkina Faso was quite well set up for this project, with prior public commitments to and implementation of open data over the last two years via the Burkina Faso Open Data Initiative, supported by the ODI and the World Bank. But how do you find the transition from setting up a portal to carrying out open elections? How important was it to have laid that initial groundwork? Open election was a very big success and very innovative for our country because it was the first real democratic election since the independence in 1960. And it happened in the context of after revolution and the end of a tumultuous transition marked by the coup in September 2015. And I can say that no one has predicted the success of open election until it happened. Open election was a contribution of the sector of digital economy and especially of open data in the organization of transparent, peaceful and accept election. With the support of ODI, Liz Caroline, we made it and uh, I can say that after the election, no one no, no candidate has complained about the result, and everything went well, very well. So I can say that it was unbelievable. So one question I'm really interested in is how you convinced the Electoral Commission to publish open data and cooperate with the Burkina Faso Open Data Initiative. Yeah, this was a very difficult part of open election because the most important is to, to convince the politician and the election commission that we should go for an open election. And we took about six to seven months to convince the electoral commission to collaborate with a body. As you may know, in all the countries, 
the electoral commission are very independent and they don't want someone to come and mix up with uh, their job. But after seven or, or six months of negotiation, lobbying, we finally met the president of electoral commission for a presentation of a project. And I remember before that, uh, we met some institutions like uh, NDI, IFES, and even the ICT director of uh, the Electoral Commission. So after the presentation to the president, he was very excited about the open election because he discovered that it's very innovative and will help him to be more transparent. So I, I suppose there must have been many significant technical obstacles to rolling out open elections. Transmitting real-time data in a way that doesn't compromise the integrity of systems. How did you overcome these issues and how would you advise other governments to give them the best chance of holding open elections of their own? Uh, sure, there was a lot of technical issue uh, that we should fix and test before the beginning of the uh, publication of uh, result. So as uh, you know, elections are very sensitive and more specifically in a context of revolution and coup. So we needed to be very careful because a small error could create a big disaster. So, but we had a great team, about 20 person, and everyone have a, had a specific task. Some was in charge of um, monitoring the server, some the network, some the electricity, some the application, and some was testing the publication in local. And it was real, a real war machine that uh, we put in place to parry any eventuality. So what I can advise the other government is to start very early if they want uh, to set up a system of open election. And the first thing I think they should do is to have agreement of the electoral commission and all the politicians. So it sounds like there's a, a lot of cultural change as well as technical preparation. So it's a a two-pronged approach, really. You need to be planning very far in advance. So you're here in London for the Open Data Leaders Network, and you've spent a week with other Open Data Leaders from, from Indonesia to Serbia to Italy. What are some of the key issues you've discussed this week? Are there any challenges that you all seem to face in promoting Open Data, regardless of your background? Yes, listening to the over, I have realized that we have the same issue in all the countries. So we have been talking uh, this last day about change driving and innovation because open data has been a new way of doing and people need to adapt themselves in order to follow the movement because it's an unstoppable movement uh, we, the open data leaders, we need to be very innovative in our approach, in the management, in the tools we propose uh, as proof of concept in order to help 
the people we have in front of us to be more comfortable. Tell us what's next for the Burkina Faso Open Data Initiative and what's your vision for the future? In a near future, we, we are going to work uh, on a version of open, open election for the mayor election. For the mayor elections? Okay. Yes, in May 22. Okay. And we are also going to have a extension of Nendo, open procurement and the mapping of water points of Burkina Faso. Water uh, points? Yes, okay. water point. Uh, this, this is a kind of dashboard that show the potential in agriculture of our country. So for the ministry and all the stakeholders in agriculture to have a large view of uh, agriculture, the situation of agriculture in our country. So a part of this project will continue what we are, we, we are still doing, continue with sensitization for more data release and reusing. And one other step we are expecting in the near future is to join the OGP because uh, we think it's a high level of engagement. So that's the Open Government Partnership, is that right? Open Government Partnership. And uh, as I said, it's a, a high level of engagement uh, of our government for more transparency in the uh, management of public affairs. And our vision, our vision for body is that uh, body bring a real transparency in our country and that the data portal become the hub of data in Burkina Faso. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for listening to the ODI podcast. For information about upcoming episodes, ODI projects, our latest blogs and how to contribute, visit theodi.org. If you ever have any questions or would like to say hi, you can tweet us at ODIHQ.